This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day 57 of the 60-day legislative session. The Florida House approves a bill to try to weed out the bad apples of law enforcement. Backers of the bill are hoping it can improve relations between police and communities of color. The accountability measures and transparency measures in House Bill 7051 are so important because those truly are the underpinnings of trust. And if we can build more trust, that's how we build a better relationship. The policing bill passed the House unanimously, which absolutely no one would have predicted at the start of the session. A bill to expand and consolidate Florida's private school voucher program is headed to the governor after final passage in the Senate. This vote was not unanimous. Well, Step Up for Students is doing a damn good job spending all the money. We just don't know where or how. The leader of the minority party will refrain from the D word on the floor. Uh, proceed, Senator Farmer. Apologize, Mr. President, my emotions got the better of me. Understood. Proceed. They're doing a darn good job spending the money. And they'll have a lot more money to spend once the governor signs the voucher bill. After boasting that Florida had the best election in the country last year, the Senate approves a controversial election reform bill. We need to change the rules again. Why? Because you lost? Is that the way that we run our democratic process? I don't think that that's the way it should be done. And just because you're in power don't mean you do what you want to do. Actually, that's exactly what it means. The bill passed on a party-line vote. The Senate also approves a controversial bill punishing social media platforms for banning Donald Trump and censoring hate speech. We're going to allow bakers to refuse to sell a cake to a gay couple, but we're not going to allow social media platforms to block offensive, hate-mongering, insurrection-supporting messaging. And we know this bill is as much uh, about... Um, Political messaging is anything. And don't look now, AutoCAT is back. Last week it was in the Senate, now it's an issue in the House. Uh, I wanted to ask you if in your research for this bill, you, you looked into the invasive species not native to Florida of, the, of what, what's commonly known as the AutoCAT, which uh, the, the, the actual scientific name is the Jacarundi. Yeah, it was fun the first few times, but AutoCAT may have worn out its welcome in the state capitol. We'll also have your calendar of events and the story of a Florida man who will make you proud. But first, a word from the sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. In Florida, if you fall behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license suspensions and help Florida get back to work. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, April 27th. This is Babe Ruth Day, National Devil Dog Day, and National Prime Rib Day. On this date in 1982, John Hinckley began his trial for the attempted assassination of Ronald Reagan. In 1994, Richard Nixon was buried at the Nixon Library in California. And on this date in 2011, Barack Obama publicly released a copy of his birth certificate to respond to the incessant and false allegations that he was not born in this country and was therefore not eligible to serve as president. The state health department reported 3,513 new cases of COVID Monday and 66 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 35,600. In the aftermath of the killing of George Floyd and the murder conviction of former cop Derek Chauvin, the Florida House of Representatives approves a bill to try to weed out the bad apples of law enforcement. It was the top priority of the Legislative Black Caucus, and Tampa Representative Fentrice Driscoll says it's only possible because of House Speaker Chris Sprouls and Criminal Justice Committee Chairman Cord Byrd. 
In the wake of the murder of George Floyd, the killing of Breonna Taylor, and too many unarmed black people to name, the Florida Legislative Black Caucus started meeting to think through what policy proposals we wanted to put forward. We marched, we met, we knew that we needed to do something this session in response to our community's outcry for help. The result was a bevy of policy platforms dedicated to supporting fair and just policing throughout the state of Florida. We brought those ideas with us to Tallahassee and immediately began engaging Speaker Sprouls and Chair Byrd, along with Chair Danny Perez, uh, as well as our counterparts in the Senate to see where there was an appetite to partner together in these proposals. Hope is a very fragile thing, but from the beginning, Chair Byrd assured us that there was time. <laughs> and I would run to his office and I would say, there are only X number of weeks left. And he would say, calm down, Driscoll, there's time. The Speaker's office engaged us in conversations and assured us that there would be light at the end of the tunnel. Well, members, House Bill 7051 is the light at the end of that tunnel. We have law enforcement officers who put their lives on the line for other people each and every day. The Tampa Bay community that I help represent feels that so acutely when we lost three law enforcement officers within a matter of weeks earlier this year. Yet we know that many communities of color don't always feel that they are policed fairly. With House Bill 7051, we as a legislature can work to build that bridge. That's why the accountability measures and transparency measures in House Bill 7051 are so important because those truly are the underpinnings of trust. And if we can build more trust between these two communities, that's how we build a better relationship. Representative Diane Hart of Tampa has spent most of her time in the legislature trying to change the culture at the Department of Corrections. And she says House Bill 7051 will definitely help. This bill would require that any person applying for employment as a correctional officer be mandated to disclose whether or not they are party to an investigation. Currently, the system allows correctional officers to move from one facility to another without their investigation status following them. This bill also creates standards for the use of force in correctional facilities, and I'm grateful for that. I believe this is a step in the right direction in fixing our broken correctional system. Representative Geraldine Thompson of Windermere says the bill also creates a database so they can figure out which officers are being accused of excessive force. One component of this bill requires uh, that data be collected. Uh, so a database would allow us to determine the people who don't have the temperament, the training, or the cross-cultural competence to be law enforcement officers. We cannot fix what we want face. So that is a very important part of uh, this bill. When we looked at the trial last week, we saw that Derek Chauvin had over 15 complaints of excessive force. So this database is critical and will put Florida on the right path to making sure that we have the best people in law enforcement. Representative Dottie Joseph of North Miami also gave a shout out to the people who inspired the bill. Floridians who took to the streets last year to say that black lives matter. I need to thank the young people, the old people and everyone in between who fueled the peaceful protests all around the world to affirm the basic premise that black lives matter, that accountability and policing matters, and that good apples are empowered to keep their brothers and sisters in blue accountable. The police accountability bill passed the House unanimously. The Florida Senate approves a bill that's supposed to increase accountability in elections, but Democrats call it voter suppression. Senate Bill 90 puts new restrictions on voting by mail. Senator Audrey Gibson of Jacksonville says it reminds her of the old Jim Crow tactics that were once used to stop blacks from voting. 
why would we, as a state, attempt to reduce the right of a person to exercise their right to vote and in the manner in which they decide to vote? We may not have to take a test, count bubbles or marbles or any other such nonsense, but this bill is tantamount to the same thing. If a voter has completed their ballot, what difference does it make who drops it off at the supervisor of elections office since any indication of tampering would be readily noticeable? Let the people vote. Let them vote the way they would like to vote. And let them decide if they want to, who can take their ballot to the supervisor of elections office. Dropping off a ballot was not an issue in this past election. As a matter of fact, we had one of the best elections in the country. Why do we need a bill then to fix absolutely nothing? Absolutely nothing. So I believe it is a trick. There is nothing wrong with what we're doing now. And we should not put any more impediments um, to folks exercising their, their right to vote, whether they show up in person or whether they decide to vote by mail. But Senator Joe Gruters of Sarasota says this bill has nothing to do with voter suppression. I think the goal for everybody is to make it as easy as possible to vote and as hard as possible to cheat. Uh, and when I hear my colleagues stand up and talk about restrictions and suppressing voters and it, it's disappointing because it, this does nothing to suppress the vote. It does nothing to restrict the vote. What we're trying to do is make sure that we preserve our sacred duty and right of having every vote count. And I take issue with the suppression comments because we have so many ways to vote here in Florida. No excuse absentee voting. You could literally vote for 30 days. If you don't want to vote by mail, you could vote through early voting, almost two weeks. For any, no reason, just go to any location and vote early. And if you decide you don't want to vote 30 days early through the mail, almost two weeks early through early voting, you can go in person. A lot of different locations, including your community. There's no restrictions whatsoever on your ability to vote. But what we want, what we want to ensure is there's integrity in the system, that our voters have confidence in the system, and that we continue to de deliver the results that our constituents demand. And that's safe, secure, fair, transparent elections. Senator Perry Thurston of Fort Lauderdale says Florida got it right during the 2020 election, but SB 90 is wrong. This legislation that we're addressing here today will not encourage one person in the state of Florida to vote. And it will deprive individuals of their opportunity to vote. Does it say on here voting only for certain people? No, the bill doesn't say that. Does it say on here you need to be of a certain intellectual level or you can't vote? No, the bill doesn't say that. Does it say on here that you have to count jelly beans in a jar and be able to guess the correct number or you won't be able to vote? It doesn't say any of that either. Does it say you could possibly lynch and your whole town burned down for trying to vote? 
Doesn't say that either. But, you know, during the Jim Crow era, when all of those were the policies of the state of Florida, it didn't say that then either. It doesn't have to say that. This is what this bill is. It's the modern-day version of voter suppression in the state of Florida. Senator Danny Burgess of Zephyr Hill says he understands why people are suspicious, but he says this is really about election security and not suppression. What I see here is election security, and I think we've heard a lot about that from 2016 to 2020. This 2020 wasn't a new topic. 2016, I remember election security being the thing that, that, that shrouded the entire last four years of a presidency. And so, you know, this is not a new topic. And so the state of Florida, I believe, is taking the best practices that we saw. That's the reason our elections were, in fact, flawless. And I love that we can all agree on that. Our elections were flawless, but that doesn't mean that there isn't always room for improvement and more that we can do. And one way that we can do that is by ensuring that we take those best practices and make them law. Something we should all also be very, very proud of is that in Florida, it is hard not to vote. And I don't believe that this bill takes that away. I don't believe this bill takes that away at all. But when you look back on Florida's checkered history, Senator Randolph Bracey of Orlando says they have good reason to suspect the worst. If we look back at history... Florida has the worst record of voter suppression in this country, and it's not even close. Many of you have heard me talk about the Okoe massacre, the physical violence that was inflicted upon people for trying to vote. Florida has a narrative that is consistent with suppression. Harry T. Moore, his house was bombed when he registered people to vote across this state. I will even mention Amendment 4, what I believe this legislature overturned the will of the people. And so I believe that we are just continuing a legacy, an ugly legacy. History will judge what we do here today. The election bill passed on a partisan vote of 23 to 17. The Senate also approved a massive expansion of the voucher program that allows some parents to send their kids to private schools while the state picks up the tab. House Bill 7045 expands and consolidates several voucher programs, and Senator Loran Ostley of Tallahassee says they are bleeding public schools dry. Article 9, Section 1 of the Florida Constitution states that the education of children is a fundamental value of the people of the state of Florida. It is therefore a paramount duty of the state to make adequate provision for the education of all children within its borders. Adequate provision shall be made by law for a uniform, efficient, safe, secure, and high-quality system of free public schools. Over the years, the legislature has chipped away at this constitutional provision, literally starving our public school system all in the name of school choice. Tax credit scholarships, HOPE scholarships, these are all very clever schemes that redirect money that could and should be going to strengthen our public schools, but instead these brilliant workarounds send millions of dollars to private and religious schools. Seems like every year we're coming back to expand these programs to more kids, and in recent years we've created more scholarships with even different funding streams, including the Family Empowerment Scholarships which brazenly takes money straight out of the FEFP. As more and more kids are pulled out of traditional public schools, our financially strapped school systems are left in a position where they cannot provide uniform, efficient, safe, secure, 
high quality education for the remaining kids. Lo and behold, this leads to more kids being pulled out and on and on and on in a vicious cycle. Bit by bit, cut by cut, these vouchers or scholarships or whatever you want to call them are slowly killing our public schools. But Senator Joe Gruters wants to do even more. His long-term goal is to provide private school vouchers to every child who wants out of public schools. Listen, I love public schools. I love our local public school district in Sarasota and Charlotte County. I think they do an amazing job. I think the public school teachers have done a great job over the past couple of years, especially during the COVID-19. But what this scholarship program does and what this expansion is going to do is it continues to give more families the opportunities to choose the best course that they see fit for their children. There's no greater role as a parent than to choose what school that you send your kid to. And I'm so thankful uh, that parents have the opportunity if they qualify through income. And it's my hope that we continue to expand these scholarships so we have universal school choice. That's where I think we really need to go because I think every parent deserves the right to send their kids to whatever school that they see fit. But you know what, that doesn't mean public schools are gonna be out of it because a lot of people think public schools are the best options. But every parent should have the right and the choice to send whatever their kid, their children to whatever school they see fit. Senator Gary Farmer of Broward is no fan of vouchers and he cannot understand why Republicans are willing to spend hundreds of millions of dollars on a private scholarship company with no accountability to the state. Farmer calls it a scam. I am well known and on record as an opponent of vouchers. Uh, They are illegal under the Supreme Court case of Bush v. Holmes. And what they do is they divert a ton of money away from our public schools. Our public schools are so grossly underfunded. We talk about it constantly. 47th in the country in per student benefit. We're the number three economy in the country. We're a top 10 or 11 economies in the world. And we just grossly underfund our our public schools while just lavishing money on these private schools that receive these vouchers. This, This standalone category of schools being funded by the state is entirely unaccountable. Parents have no way of knowing, are their children really learning? Are they being prepared for college entrance exams? for a secondary education. They will never know maybe until it's too late. I spoke last week about the entity that runs these programs, Step Up for Students, and how they are just absolutely feeding at the trough. It's often said when legislation is proposed, oh, it's okay, we're giving the money to a not-for-profit. Not-for-profit doesn't ensure anything. You know what not-for-profit means? You got to spend all the money. That's all it means. Well, Step Up for Students is doing a damn good job spending all the money. We just don't know where or how. The leader of the minority party will refrain from the D word on the floor. Uh, Proceed, Senator Farmer. Apologize, Mr. President. My emotions got the better of me. Understood. Proceed. They're doing a darn good job. Spending the money. And we don't know exactly how. We do know that they've got 18 employees, I believe, listed as making over $200,000 a year. This is a scam. It's a bad scam. 
and it's hurting the students of the state of Florida. But the sponsor of the bill, Senator Manny Diaz of Miami-Dade, says this is not about public schools or private schools. He says it's about giving parents a choice. I think everyone in the room has the best intent. Every senator wants to have a better education system for our state, for every child. But the question we have here is a philosophical choice. Do we trust our families to make the right decisions for their students? Do we trust our parents to be able to make the right decisions for our students? COVID has exposed this even further because parents have seen the education of their children go on, sometimes on their dining room table. And we ask the question once again, we should be in the business of funding students, not institutions. This is a choice. This is a choice we're making. Do we believe in our families? Do we believe in our parents making the best decisions for our children? The voucher bill passed the Senate 25 to 14. It's headed to the governor for his signature. The Senate has also passed a bill designed to punish social media giants for giving Donald Trump the boot. Senate Bill 7072 is known as the deplatforming bill, and it would prevent big tech from removing candidates no matter what sort of lies they post online. But Senator Tina Polsky of Miami-Dade says the state has no business interfering in private business. The state just cannot compel a private company to host hateful or false speech. There could be very dangerous lies. A lot of what they've been doing during the pandemic is making sure that false information about the disease, about the vaccine, is not published. And that's important. So if a political candidate is putting out that kind of information, which we know has been the case, and that political candidate gets deplatformed, that's the right of the private company to make sure that false, misleading, dangerous information is not put out. I know that uh, Senator Rodriguez said they can take down posts, it's just, they just can't take down the person. But imagine if every day they have to sit there and regulate and take down a post all the time. This person does not belong in this private company's site. Um, just like a news station, Fox, is not being compelled to have certain kinds of guests on that they don't want, a social media company, likewise, cannot be forced to host people that don't belong, even if they are political candidates. Republicans are pushing this bill, but not all of them. And Senator Jeff Brandis of St. Petersburg says he cannot understand how his fellow conservatives can support a bill that interferes with private businesses and will never survive a court challenge. We can't have 50 different states with 50 different laws on what you can post. It isn't going to work. And our staff basically tries to tell us it's unconstitutional. You read the last three pages of the staff analysis, which I'm sure you all have then what you find is, you know, basically they're, they're sitting around trying to do yoga poses to not point out and say directly that this is unconstitutional because largely it is. And you know it. This is a big government bill. This is a bill you would see in countries that we don't want to talk about. Some that are 90 miles south of here, some that are a little farther south. And it makes you uncomfortable, and it makes me uncomfortable that I have to have this conversation. But this isn't Republican as I know it. This isn't the right direction. And you know it, and I know it. This is not the party that we are. But the sponsor of the bill, Senator Ray Rodriguez of Lee County, says they have the right to intervene because the tech giants have become monopolies, and they're censoring conservative voices. In a free market, if a business is not serving a customer, a competitor will step up to offer the service to that customer. 
That's free market economics. And that has worked in this country for more than 200 years. But what is important to understand is that big tech is not a free market. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg says, big tech companies can act more like a government than a traditional company. His words, not mine. Nearly one half of all e-commerce goes through Amazon. 70% of all internet referral traffic goes through sites owned and operated by either Facebook or Google. Apple has monopoly power over software distribution on the iPhone. Google has complete dominance on the online search. Facebook uses its power to acquire or kill competitors, and Amazon bullies third-party sellers. Government has always had a role in regulating monopolies. The deplatforming bill passed the Senate 22 to 17. Democrats claim the real purpose is to give Governor Ron DeSantis another talking point when he runs for re-election next year and for president in 2024. Ottercat is back, but in a different chamber. Last week, three rookies in the Senate were hazed by their colleagues who demanded they address the existence of that mythical beast. But on Monday, Ottercat popped up in the House chamber when Representative Spencer Roach of Lee County started the roast of freshman Representative Keith Trudeau of Tavares. I just wanted to ask you, when you talked about uh, my migratory patterns and preserving and protecting migration patterns of Florida species, uh, I wanted to ask you if in your research for this bill, you, you looked into the invasive species not native to Florida of, the, of what, what's commonly known as the otter cat, which uh, the, the, the actual scientific name is the Jacarundi. Representative Trunal, you're recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Thank you, Representative. This bill does not talk about FWC in Section 1 but anything is possible. Are there additional questions of the sponsor? Representative Fabrizio, you're recognized. Representative Turnow, do you have any information at all on the Jacarundi? Representative Trunow, you're recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and thank you, Representative, for that great question. I think that anything is possible again, and uh, something may surface. Are there additional questions of the sponsor? Representative Rizzo, you're recognized. Representative Trunow, thank you so much for answering some of my questions. As you know, the otter cat or the jaguarundi has popped up here in the Capitol as of late. And I thank you very much for working with me so that we can get down to the bottom of this because Floridians need to know whether the jaguarundi really does exist or not. I believe Florida needs to know this cat and mouse game has to stop. With any luck, that's the last we'll hear of otter cat but I wouldn't bet on it. Your calendar of events. Well, the Senate Special Order Calendar Group meets at 8.30. The Senate Democratic Caucus meets at 9. The Southwest Florida Water Management District meets at 9. The Senate starts a floor session at 10. The House floor session begins at 10.30. The First Responders Suicide Deterrence Task Force meets online at 2. And today is also the deadline for the new budget bill. Lawmakers have to wait 72 hours after the bill is published so they can have a chance to actually read it before they vote. So if lawmakers want to end the session on time on Friday, they have to publish the budget before midnight tonight. And finally today, a homeless Florida man is hailed as a hero after saving the life of a driver whose SUV caught fire after a head-on crash in Escambia County. 56-year-old Freddie Finkley is an Army veteran and Pensacola native who's been living on the streets for about five years. Finkley and his longtime girlfriend were panhandling at a busy intersection when they saw an SUV slam into a truck. 34-year-old Eric Lopez was stuck in the driver's seat as flames shot out of the dashboard. He warned Finkley to get back. 
but Finkley kept at it, pulling Lopez from the burning vehicle and carrying him to safety. Well done, Florida man, well done. That's it for this episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. (laughs) 